Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everyone, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. You might be getting some wind on the mic because it is so goddamn beautiful outside. I could not sit inside a moment longer. Oh, wowza, wowza, wowza. It is just the best week ever uh, at Amy McDonald HQ. This week, I have both the group coaching call for the Growing Your Yoga Biz program and also for the graduate program, the Keep Growing Mastermind. Both have happened this week, and I am just so proud of every yoga teacher in both of those groups. They are doing some really amazing things. So very quickly, before we get into the topic of the podcast this week, I wanted to do some shout outs to my incredible clients. So I wanted to say, yes, you've got this to Katrina, who is transitioning from class passes to block bookings. I am so excited for Sophia, who is uh, hosting her first workshop series in acro yoga in uh, just over a week. Carrie, who is really up-leveling her brand and taking herself to the next level regarding her authority and a wisdom uh, holding. Uh, So, so, so happy for you. Taz, who's selling the last 20 pairs of her leggings so that she can go get another uh, design done by a local artist. Incredibly inspiring. Irina, who is learning even more about demographics and how to tweak a Facebook ad to get better results with her come and try for expats uh, that she's having uh, coming up soon. And I could go on. I mean, really, they are all just so inspiring and uh, I'm really, really proud of them. So congratulations, everybody who is in my group programs. Also wanted to do a shout out to my private clients. Uh, Congratulations to Matt, who is working on his retention strategy and doing a great job there. Uh, And also congratulations to Victoria, who is uh, re-embracing social media in a way that feels good to her. And I think... um, that may be a podcast topic in the future. Over the past weekend, I had the very good fortune to spend time with a friend of mine uh, in the Hunter Valley, and I took in some <laughs> I took in some yoga classes while I was there, uh, and I hit upon uh, a yoga class, Krudaya Yoga, Heart Yoga. Anyone? Uh, DM me on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach if you uh, teach that or know anything about that. Um, I hadn't done it before. It was not like anything I'd ever done, but uh, I really liked it. And uh, as you'll see <laughs> in this clip, and I apologize in advance, sound quality equals shit bags, but I think it's worth it. This is what happens when Amy comes to your class. If you want to invite me to something, I'm always looking for an invitation. Again, hit me up, Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach, but for right now, here's Amy, girl crushing in Newcastle. So I've just been to the 
loudest yoga class ever. I'm intentionally recording this as I walk back to my car, hoping that some of what happened during class will happen right now. So here comes the bus. And the difference being in the class, it made all of the windows shake. Then there was the young gentleman using the steps of the yoga studio for skateboard tricks. And that went the whole time. And then there was someone decided to empty the recycling from a bucket into the dumpster four times. And that was through a very thin wall in the same building. And what was particularly, oh, it's a very nice cat, doesn't convey in audio. What was particularly nice about that is he sung the whole time. And I suspect had a fair bit to do with filling up the recycling bucket with glass bottles. Here's another bus. Rattle, rattle. So, I know in GYYB6, my program, business program, folks have expressed concern about teaching in noisy places. And as you heard, <sighs> I've done yoga. I mean, I've never even done yoga in India that was as loud as that. That was nuts. But uh, the class was awesome. So for anybody who is freaking out about teaching in places where it gets loud, if anybody has concern about that, just teach better. Be better. Um, go to great classes and be around great people and be better so that, like I experienced tonight, you don't care. No one cares. I didn't care. The other students did not care that it was loud. And in fact, at the end of the class, the conversation turned to congratulating the teacher for helping us all stay present despite the noise. No one is not coming back because I was thinking at one point when I was supposed to not be thinking that it was kind of like, I felt like I was in London. It's at this particular part of this particular regional city where I am. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of Victorian. It's um, got some old bits. And at one point I was thinking it was like London, except the only thing that gave it away was the accents because it was this conversation. Hey, fuck you, mate. What the fuck do you think you're doing? Hey, mate, fuck yourself, mate. What fuck you, mum? Fuck, fuck, fuck. That was kind of, your mum, your, no, fuck your mum, no, fuck your mum, that was kind of the only thing that gave it away from feeling like I wasn't in London. It was awesome. Don't worry. It was noisy. I felt like I was in the middle of the city. Um, and it didn't matter a hoot because it was a great class. So please, if you're teaching in some, some place that you feel is subpar, not optimal, please just be better. Take your students deeper. Let that be the focus of your meditation or not and teach on it doesn't matter it's you that they're coming for it's the teachings of yoga that they're coming for it's not the fucking ambience so there you have it there is uh amy girl crushing all over the hurdia uh, yoga class that i went to in newcastle uh over the weekend fantastic 
really had a good time. And if uh, if you want me to come check out your class, I'd love to. Send me an invite. Hit me up, Insta, at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. So today, the topic leading on from the loudest yoga class I've ever been to in my life, remember, it was awesome, uh, is about the importance of stopping worrying about things that you can't change. You know, I've been working with the uh, yogis in my group programs over the past couple of months. And one of the things that keeps coming up is I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed uh, in the growing your yoga business uh, group coaching call this week. I asked everybody to, to tune into, to feel into the energy level or the attitude, the feeling tone they have currently regarding their business. And then to ascribe it a number between one to 10, where one is like, absolute shit house and 10 is I'm on top of the world. Nobody can stop me now. And, and this might be an interesting exercise for you to do in this moment. Get still, get centered, use your body, not your brain and get a hold of that number. And for a lot of the people in the program, you know, the numbers were hovering. There was a four, there was a six, there was a seven, a sort of hovering in that range. And as we moved into the coaching and started to unpack what was the reason for that low number, because I want everybody to be at nine on a bad day, it was because they were stressing out, they were anxious, they were worrying about things that simply could not be changed. And I think that this can be a sneaky tendency for all of us where we're harboring low-level stress or worry about something that is beyond our realm of control. And so for today, I've got some uh, examples that I'm going to talk through and then some reframes for each of those examples. But you might find that this raises issues for you and this could be something that you could incorporate into your own contemplative practice, whether that's a meditation practice, whether that's a bhakti sort of prayer practice, whether you're a journaler whether you do talk therapy with a supervisor or you have me as your coach and we can talk about it, but do spend time in contemplation. If you find that any of these points resonate, or in fact, if they raise uh, your own version of issues that are causing you mental uh, disturbance, when in fact, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So, the first one, as just leading on from the bit of audio that I shared just now, me returning to huffing up the hill, wasn't I huffing? Huffing up the hill to my car, back up to my car, was the one about noise. Oh my goodness, the studio is too loud. Um, so I want to address this one straight up um, and quickly because I've talked about it briefly already in this episode. But a lot of people fear, what if my studio is too noisy? What if people don't like being too close together on their sticky mats? What if the temperature is too hot? Or what if it's too cold? Uh, what if it smells weird? I used to teach regularly in a yoga space that smelt like dim sims. And if you're not Australian, you probably don't know. An Australian dim sim delicious as they may be, maybe, they stink. Uh, you know, it's cabbage and it's boiled and it's, you know, it ain't good. It smells like an armpit. Um, and that space that I taught in smelled like that every damn time. That was just the identity of that yoga studio. Welcome to Dim Sim. It's time for asana. A lot of people worry about this stuff. What if my teaching space is, oh my God, 
less than perfect. And like I said in the audio just now, you know what the solution to that is? Teach a fucking amazing class. And I'm not talking about suddenly demonstrating a press up to handstand and getting all of your beginner yoga students to be able to do that in 45 minutes. No, I'm talking about being present, being prepared, being confident, engaging with your students. If you are a newbie and you are still teaching everything from your mat, it's time to move around the room. It's time to trust yourself. It's time to get off your mat and get into the class. Unless, of course, you come from a tradition, and I know there are some beautiful traditions that where the teacher is d- supposed to stay on their mat. But if that is not actually mandated in your tradition, get off your mat. Go talk to people. If you have, um, you know, like hands-on assists or not tokens, check those first or ask people first if you're not sure. I know in my studentship, there are two of my students that do not want to be touched ever. We're very clear on that. And my job is to give them really specific verbal cues so that they don't need hands-on assists. I know I've got other students who love a strong, confident, firm, informed hands-on assist, but get off your mat and move around the room so that everyone in your class feels connected. When I did my first when I was, when I was, I'd done my first 200 hours and I was doing another couple of hundred hours of teacher training in that syllabus. In fact, one of the requirements to qualify in that tradition at that time was that you needed to make sure that everyone in the class got a hands-on assist or, you know, consent permitting, of course, but they, but everybody got some kind of focused attention as a way of making sure that everybody felt seen and heard and validated. That was an, that was one of the most important parts of the class that people leave the class feeling better than when they arrive. Now, these days, I don't think it's my job to, um, guarantee someone is going to have an elevated mood at the end of class. And I know that I've been in classes where I felt like a piece of shit when I left the class for my betterment. I remember once, I think it was in Singapore, being with my teacher and I had this huge response to Supta Padangustasana, which is not an uncommon thing for me, but to the point where I was racking with sobs, doing everything I could to not make noise while my whole body shook and tears streamed down my face during Shavasana. This often happens with me and my psoas, you know, we've got a complex relationship and um, and my teacher, uh, he, he couldn't not see it because it was <laughs> very obvious. And at the end of the class, he just said to me, are we good? And I said, yeah, because he's my teacher. He knows me enough and he knows that I was feeling a whole bunch of stuff. I was not floating out like, yeah, I'm going to ride home on my unicorn over a rainbow. Om Shanti. I was feeling all the stuff that had come up out of my body during the practice and it was awesome. So I don't think it's our job to make people feel better at the end of the class necessarily, but I do think that the way to overcome worry about your space being imperfect is to simply be a great teacher. Be prepared, whether you're a class planner or if you're at a point in your career where you no longer need to class plan because you have the back catalog in your brain, but be prepared, know what you're going to do. Be present with your people, you know, watch them. I was at a workshop the other day and during Shavasana, the teacher took Shavasana. What the hell, man? I just paid you 140 bucks to be here. You're not lying down right now. Get up, 
and be present. I don't know, take some meta or something while you're sitting there, but do your job, you know, be better, be a better teacher. Um, I went to a class a couple of weeks ago and it was going quite well. It was an hour long class. And at the 45 minute mark, the teacher said, okay, girls got any suggestions? Uh, what is it that you'd like to work on? And I'd never been to the class before and I was gagging for an inversion. Um, it just can't get me enough like Shashasana one, but I didn't want to be a show off because there was no one else in that class that could do a headstand and you know, I can take that later. So I just sat there and hoped that someone would say something and no one did because they're all beginners and they felt awkward because the teacher was telling, asking them what to teach next. And of course, so, so she says, so come on girls, what do we do next? And no one says anything. And she's, and so she says the teacher, the teacher that we'd driven to the studio to, to pay some money to take some yoga as a, te- as a yoga instructor, she says, well, I've run out of ideas. So what are we going to do? Don't be that girl. Don't be that teacher that is unprepared. <laughs> Never. I mean, I know there are some traditions that are like, if you feel somehow that there's something else that you would like to do before the class finishes, go ahead and take that asana now. Great. That is different from asking your students, I don't know, what do you guys think? Like, never be that teacher. Can we get a jive five on that front? If you're a regular listener to the podcast, can you send me a, I promise Amy, I will never ask my students what they want to do because I've run out of ideas. You can hit me at Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. So my point here overall is the solution to worrying about your space being imperfect is to be great. So that people just don't care. They don't care. I remember going to a yoga retreat in Langkawi and we took this boat over to an island to the sun was coming up. We're going to be on this deserted tropical island to do yoga. It was amazing. I was with a friend of mine Oh God, an actress and performer. And she, um, and the instruction from the yoga teacher was there are monkeys on the Island. Do not take any food with you because the monkeys will attack you. That for me is fairly clear. You know, that's like, that, that's a fairly clear, um, instruction from a yoga teacher about harm mitigation. Okay, fine. Everybody's like, no, no, we've got no food. Let's go get on the boat over to the island. It's amazing. There's palm trees and the sun's coming up and the sand is cool and it's soon going to be hot and it was bliss. And of course, my friend, you know, that we start to hear the, the chattering in the trees and uh, then there's some furry friends kind of lurking on the periphery of the jungle. And we keep practicing on because it's gorgeous and the teacher is great and we're having just the most blissed out tropical Langkawi time. <laughs> And then these little furry friends, these little, uh, you know, Hanuman wannabes, uh, start creeping in closer. And I don't know about you, but it's like people, when they go to Ubud for the first time in Bali and they're like, oh yeah, the monkey forest, let's buy bananas and feed the monkeys. Except that always turns out to be a shit show. Cause guess what? Monkeys aren't your friends. This is like Jambavan and Hanuman, but most monkeys, not your friends. You don't want them on your sticky mat. So they're coming in and they're coming in and the yoga teacher says, okay, someone has lied. There is food on this island. What's going on? And my friend bashfully withdraws a mango from her backpack that she had been saving for the boat trip home and uh, throws the mango to the monkeys who, you know, fight each other for it and screech and all the rest of it run off back into the jungle. Now that was somewhat of a disrupted yoga class, right? The teaching space in that scenario unideal. Being attacked by island monkeys, not what I signed up for. Not in the class description. 
Uh, warming, fast-paced vinyasa with monkeys. Nope, didn't say that. And yet, the teacher was great. The location was beautiful, with the exception of our fairy friends who probably had rabies. Uh, didn't matter. Kind of fun. And she kind of got teased a lot uh, and bought breakfast upon return to Langkawi. <laughs> so if you're worried about your space being imperfect, stop it. Not your job. Your job is to be exceptional. Teach well. Carry on. Transcend. Transcend whatever's going on. Bus noise. Recycling bin. Monkeys. Dim sim smell. Whatever it is, transcend. That's your job. Uh, another one that... Um, people share with me often is this thing about what if people judge me? This one shows up particularly when yoga teachers that are in this community share with me that they recognize that they need to become more active on social media, but their hesitancy is what if people are going to judge me? What, what if I say something stupid? What if they think I'm being superficial? What if uh, my former colleagues see that I'm talking about crystals when I used to talk about pie charts? What if uh, my teacher sees that I'm being confident uh, and, um, uh, you know, tall poppy syndrome or, or um, what do you call that? Like uh, thinking that I'm better than someone else. What happens if people judge me? I'm worried about that. And they spend so much energy in this anxiety, stressing about judgment. So here's my hack on that front. People are judging you anyway. It is already happening. It is happening in every moment. It is happening with everyone you encounter and people that you will never meet. You are already being judged. So guess what? This is the good news. What you're fearing, what you're worrying about, what you're stressed about, it's already here. It's already happening. So my loving invitation on this front is who cares what people think about you on social media? People are judging you anyway. If you show up with the intention to be in service and you share from the heart in an authentic way, the people that are meant to resonate with your message will and the people who want to judge you will. As you become more prominent on social media, as it starts to work for you, and a shout out to everybody who has emailed me this past week to tell me, oh my God, yes, actually I did have more people sign up to my classes from my Instagram. You will get weirdos come out the woodwork. You all saw it on my Instagram feed, the lovely chap who suggested that perhaps I was a trans woman. For the record, I'm not. Um, don't have a judgment on it. I was just born woman, happy with woman or working for me. But you know, potentially that could have made someone feel very insecure. Oh my God, I look mannish. <laughs> you kidding? I fucking work for these deltoids, man. I'm taking it. <laughs> anyway, you know, people are going to judge you regardless. I've had, um, I've had people email me saying, look, Amy, I really liked you, but I just cannot listen anymore because you said the F word. Okay. Um, Satan's going to take me. Uh, I've had people type on my Facebook page, yoga is the 666. Or I really like your message, Amy, but yoga is for Satan. You know, that's okay. 
they get to have that. It's not on me. I'm, I'm not taking on the, the stress and the anxiety of what will people think. I've often, not often, I have had on numerous occasions, um, you know, some, some, some people, some ISKCON people um, email me about how I've been irreverent about the Bhagavad Gita. I get that. I am irreverent about the Bhagavad Gita. And, and um, for a folks who it is their primary scriptural source, I can totally see where they're coming from. The way that I talk about Arjuna and Krishna sometimes with my um, Australian accent and, and irreverence would be offensive to some people, I'm sure. And while it's never my intention to offend someone, me being me, sharing authentically from the heart, no doubt rubs some people the wrong way. And guess what? They get to have their judgment. And I'm just not the cup of chai that they're looking for. And that's okay. There are enough people in your town, or if you're teaching online, God knows there are enough people on the internet who are going to enjoy what it is that you're sharing. So if you're worrying about people judging you, if you're playing small or seeking to be invisible and not showing up and serving people on social media, you're doing a disservice to the people who need to hear your message. And it's a pointless exercise anyway, because you're already being judged all the time by everyone who knows you, everyone who encounters you and people that you will never meet. Don't worry about it. It's already happened. That horse, honey, has bolted. <laughs> Another one that I hear people worrying about unnecessarily, things that they can't change, is this one pertains to teaching one-to-one classes. You know, for folks that are just getting started teaching one-to-ones, they have a fear that well, what if I don't know the answer or what if I don't know what to do? What if I find myself in a room with someone who has some type of injury or medical condition that I don't know how to handle or some kind of physical limitation that I don't know what to do about? I remember when I was brand new and I was teaching at Curves Ladies Gym. Remember Curves? Does it still exist? And, uh, and I was teaching just to the staff of that gym. So it was the lunch break. They'd turn the closed sign over. I'd come in, teach them yoga, and then they'd go back to work. And each one of those women loved the universe, loved the Russellila of the universe. Each of the women who worked at that gym was obese. Say that with love, no judgment. Who cares? Oh, big ladies. Now, I've been bigger, but I've never been that big. So I've never actually lived in a body like that. No idea. No idea. I've, I'd been teaching for like weeks. I'd never had any training on how to teach yoga for all bodies or curvy yoga or whatever you want to call it. I had no idea. I don't know how to modify a bind when my tummy gets in the way. I, I mean, I'm happy with my size of my boobs, but I, they still let me ascent, put my tummy on my thighs for Uttanasana. I don't know what happens when you've got massive noogs and you can't actually do Dhanurasana because... You can't reach, you can't get the belly, your floor and the belly because your boobs are in the way. I don't know what that's like. Um, and so when they asked me in that class, well, Amy, we can't do that. How do we do it? I was like, I don't know. Rather than freaking out that I didn't know the answer. Oh my God, they're going to think that I'm judging them. Oh, I've made some terrible faux pas and I'm teaching yoga for skinny people. And I don't want to body shame anybody. Like, well, I wasn't going to freak out. I just said, look, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Like what happens when we put some blankets on your tummy to balance out your boobs? Or what happens if you use a strap to get into that bind? Or what happens if we just totally skip that pose and go on to something else? And 
because I don't need to be the expert and I can't know what it's like to have a body that's not mine. I can do my best to figure it out with the participation of my students. So if you're in this, in the environment where you're suddenly confronted with something and you don't know how to do, how to fix it, you know, that's okay. You're not an expert. I remember teaching a retreat and there was some nuns, some Tibetan nuns, two of them, uh, who were in the class for the retreat. They'd come to yoga. They didn't do the rest of the retreat, but they'd come to the yoga class with me every morning in full robes, <laughs> the whole yellow and red situation. And not just like, like, not like a swami kind of light cotton thing, but the whole shebang, big sleeves, the, the whole lot. And, and teaching them yoga with all of that gear on, it wasn't like they could hitch it up and get into a deeper lunge. Like, you know, that's partly about modesty. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to do yoga in a Tibetan nun outfit. Uh, but, uh, you know, my job was to figure it out. One of the nuns was on retreat because despite her uh, career aspirations at her very prominent um monastery where she was based, very prominent. You probably know the one I'm talking about. She had a lumbar spine injury and she couldn't sit to meditate anymore. She'd fallen over as a kid. And you can imagine how important seated meditation is for her. And she was at a point where she was looking at foregoing her uh, career within her organization because she simply couldn't participate in the seated meditation. It was causing her incredible pain to sit to meditate. And she showed me her x-rays. And now at that point, maybe I'd been teaching 18 months and I'd done the mandatory anatomy training, you know, the anatomy coloring book and all the rest of it. And I'd had a really good anatomy trainer in my 200 hours, Ellen Heed, amazing. But I wasn't qualified to look at some nun's x-ray and tell her how to, I couldn't even put my hands on her body to feel what was going on. Like, and, she, and nor could I give her a sort of even look at her back visually because <laughs> the lady was robed up. I got nothing. So I didn't know. And, and that's my job in a one-to-one -one yoga class. It's a one-to-one -one yoga class. You're teaching a yoga class to one person. They're not paying you to be their chiropractor or their uh, physiotherapist or their doctor or their psychiatrist or their kinesiologist. They're not even paying you to be their yoga therapist. They're paying you to be their yoga teacher. And if they ask you something and you don't know the answer, you have three options. One, figure it out with them like my curvy ladies at the gym. Let's try this. Don't get all worried about how they might misunderstand your lack of knowledge. Engage with them. Come at it with an open heart and beginner's mind and let's get curious. I don't know. Let's figure it out. Two, say to them, you know what? That's a great question. And I'm going to get you some useful information. And next time when I see you, I'll give it to you. Give me some time. I'll do some research and I'll get back to you. So they throw something at you like, I don't know. So what are the therapeutic ben benefits of halasana? And you're like, oh, shiz. I know that was in the exam, but I can't remember. Just let them know that next week you'll have the full lowdown and you can tell them everything. Or third option, like my Tibetan friends, it's okay to simply not know and to leave it at that. If it is outside the scope of what you are qualified to do, you have no business providing an answer. Just because your sister or your aunt or your boyfriend has the same thing, they didn't because they can't, no one does, we're all uniquely different. You got no, you got no right to, to be diagnosing stuff 
or, or making personal recommendations about someone's spiritual path or giving nutritional advice or recommending where, I don't know, people go on their holiday. If you're a yoga teacher, you're qualified to teach yoga. So don't worry. Don't worry if you don't know the answer because either you can go figure it out, you can get back to someone, or it's not your job to know. Like when people say to me, Amy, what sort of contract should I prepare when I'm writing, when I'm uh, getting ready for my first retreat? You know, I'm always going to say, I don't know the answer to that. And I'm not qualified to give you legal advice. Your business deserves good legal advice. Go talk to a lawyer. Likewise, if someone wants to ask me about their tax, uh uh-uh, nope, out of bounds. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial advisor. I can give you some anecdotal ideas, but you, it's your job to go find some money person who's qualified to give you that expert advice. Stay in your lane and stop worrying about saying you don't know. There will always be, whether you're Rod Stryker or little old me, there will always be things about yoga that you don't know. Yoga is too big to know everything anyway. So forget about it. Stop worrying that you don't have the answer to everything. And if you are avoiding teaching one-to-ones because your fear is you might not know the answer, you need to start teaching one-to-ones. Remember, figure it out with them, get back to them, or tell them you don't know and it's not your job to know. All right, so the next one that comes up all the time about worrying about things you can't change is what if people get... I'm worried that people are going to get bored with my sequence. I'm worried people are going to get bored with my sequence. I'm worried that my students are getting bored because we do the same poses week to week. I'm worried that my students are going to get bored because I can't do Urdhvadhanarasana, Ekapada Urdhvadhanarasana, and... um, or, I don't know, titty-bussing at a handstand or whatever. I can't do scorpion or crazy. What do you call that? What's that one called? With the one arm in... Anyway. So you can't do something fancy. So you're not teaching something fancy. And, oh, no, your students are all going to get bored and stop coming to class. So if you have that worry, your sequencing is boring or your asana are boring or your students are going to get bored with repetition... This is another one to stop worrying about. Think about all of the traditions where people have been practicing for, you know, 50 years. Think about all of those people that do Mysore, that go every day and do exactly the same thing for their life. Or think about those Bikram folks who go every day and do exactly the same thing, like Exactly, exactly, right? Have you listened to that amazing podcast about Bikram Chowdhury? It's fantastic. Go hit me up if you don't know. I I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but I'll look it up for you if you want to go listen to, like, binge a good podcast about yoga. Loved it. There is nothing wrong with repetition. I know for... I, I follow my teacher around the world, and inevitably I'll turn up in a city somewhere where he's teaching a workshop that I have already done. And he changes all the time and he's growing in his own journey. But sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He does this thing next. Oh, yeah, that's right. He'll get us to do this thing with the block. He'll probably get us to do the slippy blanket thing, which I hate and love at the same time. But I'm not thinking, oh, man, really? I flew all the way here. I've already done that. No. You get to go deeper every time. Tell me you haven't been to a class where all the teacher did was give you one small thing and it made the world of difference. I remember being with Elena Brow in Byron Bay 
And she got us to do this. She got, we were in Adamukashan, us in a downward facing dog. And she sort of got us to cross our legs over each other. Uh, so that you put the left foot to the right side of the mat and the right foot to the left side of the mat. I can't remember why, but it changed everything just for an, an exploration of what that was like. How many downward, I've been doing yoga since I was eight freaking years old. How many Ardha Mukhasvanasanas have I done? A lot. That one blew my mind. Never done that before. Same pose. Mind blowing. Not boring. Never boring. If you are feeling that your classes or your sequence or your uh, yoga asana choices are boring to your students, maybe your job is to, again, become a better teacher. Are you regularly going to classes? Are you regularly doing or at least watching the world leading teachers online and what they're doing and how they're getting better? If you've been teaching, if you did your yoga teacher training 15 years ago, we know more about the body than we did then. If you're still telling people that Patanjali or that, what's that, what's that thing like, like that we saw some etching of a seated guy who could have been shiver. And so that means that yoga is 5,000 years old. Honey, we've moved on from that. Like if your knowledge isn't current, get trained, get schooled, be present. Um, Make sure that what you're teaching is accurate. If you, if, if you're unsure about that stuff, you need to go study get skilled, make sure that you're on track, but never worry that you're being boring. Boring, if your students are bored, it's because um, they're not engaged enough. It's not because of what you're teaching them, but it might be because of how. If you're not moving around the room, if you're not giving specific instructions, if you are bored, they will be bored. Like this scenario I said earlier, the woman who's like, oh, I've run out of ideas. What you got? am I going to be bored in that class? You better believe it. If you're wondering, she then made up some kind of yin thing. Dougal, I want to know, Dougal Meacham teaches amazing yin yoga teacher trainings. He also hosts the Mortal Yogi podcast. Get on it. Dougal, message me. I want to know. I want to talk to you about this post because I do suspect that she just made it up in the moment. Not good. But to reiterate, Stop worrying about people getting bored with your sequence. People could be bored or looking bored in your class because their mother is dying of cancer or their kid had their first detention or they forgot to eat before they came to class and they're foggy brained. They might be bored, nothing to do with you. They might be bored because their wife told them, if you love me, you'll come to yoga. And he's thinking, this is fucking shit. We should have just whatever, whatever, you know, you get my point, right? you can engage your students to a point, but it's a co-creation. So stop worrying that people are getting bored with your sequencing or your asana. You can teach the same thing again and again and again and again. And I know I love going to a beginner's class. You know, when you go to an Iyengar kind of beginner's level class and they tell you to stand at the wall and put your sit bones on the wall and then takes like a wide-legged uttanasana, it blows my mind every time. Oh, here's a whole other way of experiencing my hamstrings. Oh, I didn't realize how tight they'd become from having a sedentary job and how much actually I need to bend my knees to get enough anterior tilt in my pelvis. I thought I was flexible. Wow, wow, compared to who, Amy? Hello, lumbar much? Always interesting if you let people go deeper and you give them more specific instruction. And if you don't know how, get better. Get better. Uh, okay, so we've done judgment. We've done, what if I don't know the answer? We've done 
what if the room stinks or is too loud or is too hot or is too cold. We've done what if people are bored. I want to change directions a little bit because this one, I think, uh, really is something that we've talked about what happens in class. Now I want to change direction and talk about the more on the business side, because this is the one that I see coming up again and again and again. People don't know that it's happening and it is insidious and dangerous and can undermine the longevity of your yoga teaching career. I hope I gave that enough gravitas. I was really working on that. I hope you noticed. Uh, Okay. So this is the worry. It's something along the lines of this. What if I don't get everything done? Or what if I run out of time? Or what if this thing that I've got doesn't work? What if I spend all this money on Facebook ads and no one comes? Or what if only two people sign up, even though I've got four weeks to keep on offering my retreat? Or what if I suck at something? What if I try it and it tanks? What if I send out an email and it doesn't work? What if I enforce my boundaries and someone never comes back? What if I don't get the number number of students in my studio to actually be able to pay my teachers enough? What if I have to subsidize my studio expenses again from my income, from my corporate job? All of this sort of what if, what if, what if, what if worry that is totally out of your control. And the reason that it is insidious is because you're thinking about it all the time and your brain thinks that that means you're doing it all the time. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or overworked or like you do nothing but slog away at growing your business, I challenge you to actually look about to look into the amount of action you are actually taking. How much of all of that time spent on your business is actually doing versus worrying about some kind of potential catastrophic implication? And I want to hear from you on Instagram, like send me a voice memo if this one is pinging a notification in you. One of my clients was sharing with me that she's just so tired. She just needs a break. She wants to take a month off because she's exhausted with all the work that she's doing. But in fact, she's not doing that much work, maybe an hour or two a day in terms of output or productivity. But she's doing 24-7 work mentally because she is worrying constantly about something not working out. She's worrying constantly that not enough people, she's still got 40 mats to fill for the block booking coming up in her studio. What if she doesn't make it? Will she have to fire a teacher and teach them herself for free? She is working on that in her mind all the time. And you know what? That sort of work counts for shit. That sort of work is not going to manifest the result you want. If anything, Amy's about to go esoteric. Thinking about the negative possibilities all the time is praying for what you don't want. Like Yogananda says in Autobiography of a Yogi and Rhonda Byrne ripped off later. Yes, we love it. Bring it to the masses, the secret. Thinking about the bad stuff makes the bad stuff. Thinking about the good stuff makes the good stuff. I'm sure there's a sutra there somewhere, but you guys know I'm not a Patanjali girl. I need to look it up in a tantric text for you so we've got a better reference. But my point is this, 
If you are worrying about your business, you've got to stop. You've got to surrender that worry. You've got to, you've got to release all of that mind space that is being consumed with negative possibilities. Stop praying for what you don't want. If you are feeling fatigued and overwhelmed and worn out about your yoga business, is it because you're thinking about it all the time? And is it time to hone down that thinking time into productive work time? How long can you actually sit at your computer today and do something? Is it an hour? Then let your thinking time be that hour. Or do you need to go take a walk in nature and contemplate something for a half an hour and get your insight and come back and implement it rather than spending 24 hours waking up at 2 a.m., you know, freaking out that, oh my God, I told Brian that he couldn't extend his class pass and I think he's going to hate on me. You know, does this make sense? Like that type of worry your brain thinks is activity it is mental activity and so it's going to wear you out and make you feel like you're working all the time my yoga business is consuming my life i signed up just to teach i don't want to do all this other stuff are you actually doing that much other stuff or are you just thinking about doing that much other stuff and if it's the thinking you need to stop stop worrying about things that you can't change you can't change if brian's going to crack the shits and never come back I say this anecdote all the time. I changed the night of my yoga class once, but turned out half my class went to Miss Evie's adult school of tap on a Tuesday night. I lost half my students to tap dancing. What am I going to do? I I couldn't, I had another thing on a Wednesday night. I needed to change my night to Tuesday. (laughs) That happened. It's okay. I live in a town that's got 8,000 people in it. Got to be someone who doesn't like tap dancing. But, I, you know, thinking about it all the time, worrying about it all the time. Oh, my God, no one's coming back. Everybody's going to tap. I'm going to just catastrophically fail. I may as well quit now. I may as well study to teach tap. <laughs> that would be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> oh, God, if you ever invite me to a wedding, you'll see Amy don't dance and tap dancing. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Anyway, my point is this. If you are spending all of this time stressing out and worrying about stuff that you can't change. Brian's going to freak out. People are going to go to tap dancing. Someone's going to come do their Shivananda yoga in your class just because of their own stuff, right? People are going to, some people are going to say, well, I was okay paying $8, but I'm not paying $9.50. Like that's going to happen. You can't change it. Stop worrying about it. Someone is going to challenge you in class. Someone is going to stop coming because they think that you're shit. That's all going to happen. Your Facebook ads will take time to optimize. That's going to happen. The first time you run a campaign might not be great. That's going to happen. Stop worrying about it. I'm not saying be complacent. I'm not saying be complacent. I just realized I did a really strong (laughs) gesture there (laughs) that you can't see. I'm really, really, really passionate about this topic. Stop spending all your time worrying and stressing about what may go wrong in your business. Compartmentalize your work time and then become masterful at managing your mind when you are not at 
work. Stop letting your business consume your thinking space. Overwhelmed, tired, worn out, desperate for a holiday. That happens because you are thinking more than you need to. And that normally is anxiety, stress, worry about your business. Compartmentalize it. Create some boundaries for yourself. If you need rituals or crystals or oils or sage or I don't know, whatever you need, you've got tools, honey. You've studied a lot of hours. You've got tools. If you need a handstand, if you need a mantra, if you need a, like, a, okay, now complete Shiva Mudra, I don't know what it is, but start creating a beginning and an end point for your work time and leave the thinking within that container. It doesn't have to be at your computer. It could be walking in nature. It could be doing your own practice. It could be in the shower. A lot of people get their best ideas in the shower, but whatever it is, leave the consideration of your yoga business to that space and become masterful about snipping off any thoughts that arise that are unuseful when you are not intentionally at work. So there you have it, folks. Stop worrying about things you can't change. Uh, What if people are judging me? They are already. Go be successful and share yoga anyway. What if I don't know the answer? Work it out, figure it out, or you don't need to know. Uh, What if my studio space is too noisy, too hot, too cold, too stinky? Be a better teacher so that people don't care. What if people get bored with my sequence? If you're being interesting and if you're going deeper... That's on them. Uh, what if my business tanks? What if I someone rebels against my price rise? What if if I enforce my boundaries and say, I'm sorry, but the three-pack of one-to-one classes you bought 10 years ago has now expired, and they slag me off on Yelp? Stop worrying about it. It's going to happen anyway. And guess what? Those people that leave those sorts of reviews... <laughs> They leave those reviews for everybody. They don't just hate you. They hate their naturopath. They hate the checkout chick at the supermarket. You know, they hate everyone. Don't worry. People know. People know. And even if they don't, who cares? I didn't used to be a man. I don't care. Whatever. There you have it, folks. Hope that was useful. Um, If you do enjoy these podcasts, I am very, very grateful for ratings and reviews. And it's like um, followers on your social media. It makes a big impact on my business. So I would be grateful if you could take a moment and write a review uh, or even just tap the stars. That would be very helpful to me uh, from a business perspective. And also, I just love hearing from you. And there have been two new reviews to my podcast on Apple Podcasts since our previous episode. So thank you, folks, for those. A couple more shout-outs before we finish up for the week. I wanted to say congratulations to Emma Ryan, who is really doing great, having moved back from Singapore to the UK. Well done, Emma. I loved seeing your post in the Abundant Yoga Teacher Facebook group. I wanted to say congratulations to Tioka in Paris, who is doing a bit of a rebrand and coming up with a new logo, which I love. Yes, to some gold in your brand. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you to the people who have been messaging me with all of the pop-up training ideas that are happening all month long on my Facebook page. So if you haven't been checking those out, make sure you head over to my Facebook page. I'm doing like a 10-minute training every day based on... um, suggestions that have come in from this community. So my hope is that they are, uh, uh, useful to everybody. Um, 
<laughs> that's my hope with everything. Uh, quickly, a reminder that the registrations for the Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat close at the end of the month. There are four places left, and I know that there are uh, at least four people who've told me um, they're coming. <laughs> if that's you, um, you need to get on it. I don't want you to miss out. If you need a partial scholarship, you need to reach out to me and we'll talk about it. If you have questions about it, again, just let me know. I can give you a call or, or we can Skype if you're somewhere else. The link is amymcdonald.com.au forward slash retreats. Tamara, thank you for your email. Tamara said, great Facebook Live today. I truly love your authenticity. Whether it's uh, Facebook or Insta Live or on your podcast, I always feel uplifted after. You encourage the rest of us to just be ourselves. We are enough. I'm so thankful for that. I can't wait to listen to your affirmations audio. Thanks, Tamara. Folks, I just, these emails make it all worthwhile. Sometimes sitting in a little cottage by yourself in the bush in the middle of nowhere can feel a little isolating. So I really, really do... uh, value your feedback and it's so nice to know that what I'm doing is helping some of you so always let me know what else I can do to help Um, if you've got questions I know someone messaged me on insta earlier in the week about how to do a time lapse video you know if there's any little things like that that I can help you with do always reach out to me Uh, I love hearing from you and as Tamara said if you haven't got the affirmations audio and you want it I'll message it to you I think I owe it to a few people already who messaged me on facebook uh, I'll get that to you this week, but essentially it's a, a six minute audio that you use when you're feeling in a little bit of a funk about your yoga business. I want to help get you back pepped back up and back into service. So let me know. Um, and I think everybody that is it. So go well, remember, uh, you have energy to give, you have something meaningful to offer to people. You have a voice, you have Dharma, you have a in you, you know this, you know this, there is something in you that is pressing you forward, that you couldn't do anything else but teach this. So if you are spending that energy on worry and stress and anxiety about shit that is either going to happen anyway, or is totally out of your control, then you need to redirect that energy into something that you can control. Take radical personal responsibility, stand in your power, serve people who want what you have and leave people who are going to judge or criticize you. Be great, teach well, and the rest will fall away. Take care, everybody, and I'll speak with you all again next week. sometimes if you're in a yoga class and there's a one verbal cue or a hands-on assist that a teacher might give you that just makes you feel oh yeah that's how it's meant to feel well I've just had one of those moments in Amy's abundant yoga teacher retreat this morning so I've had a big hang-up about the whole social media thing and today we just had a, a session which worked work me through that and now I don't have quite such a big hang up and I've got lots of ideas of how I can use social media it's kind of content I can put onto it and it's been worth coming to Thailand just for the last two-hour session let alone all the beautiful people that I've met the fantastic food the amazing scenery and and well you get the picture so come along to Amy's yoga teacher retreat if you want to grow your yoga business.
So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.